Hi, you guys. This is Liz Ryan, and this is the Truth About Work podcast, episode 13. I'm going to answer questions today, questions that folks sent to us at support at humanworkplace.com. Here's the first question. This is from DN. Hi, Liz. What's the best way to follow up after a job interview? Okay, super good question, DN. Best way to follow up after a job interview is you leave, right? If it's if it's a, you know, Skype call, Zoom, you get off the call or if it's a physical interview, you get you get home and you um, jot down your thoughts and your notes about it, trying to include as many details as possible. Because it's important you need to recapture what exactly took place. Are you even still interested in the job? How do you think it went from their perspective? Is it something you want to do? Um, you know, what did you learn that you wanted to learn? What did you not learn? What were your impressions of the people? You can really go in on this note-taking thing. And if you have the opportunity to check in with a friend of yours, I would even say a cynical, hard-headed, hard-nosed friend of yours, so you get the full... Because we get into the into the mental space, right, where we're like, oh, I hope they liked me. And we don't even think, did I like them? Did Is this a good job for me to take, right, if you have other options? And so, you know, capturing as much of the detail from the interview is very important. So that's why I recommend you do that first. Write down your notes in a notebook, a journal, or record them on your phone, you know, just speaking into the phone, and debrief with a cynical friend of yours who is likely to catch things you may have missed if there are red flags in the interview process. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is, assuming you want the job, then you send a thank you note to the person who interviewed you. You can do this after a phone interview. After a phone interview, probably email to that person. I hope you have their email address. Thanks so much for chatting with me about the marketing coordinator job at Acme Explosives. It was you know, really helpful to hear about their XYZ. Mention something specific. They talk to so many candidates, they won't be able to bring you back to mind unless you call yourself out, unless you say, hey, remember we talked about this. Something that maybe they didn't talk about with every single candidate, and especially when it's recent, right? That's very important. Your biggest danger as a job seeker is actually just being forgotten. They forgot you know, who you are and what you know and what you did. It's, it's information overload. So the way we counteract that is you write a thank you note that brings you specifically back to mind, your face, the stories, the, oh yeah, that person. I mean, it's very common. You could probably figure this out without me saying it, but, you know, in HR a thousand years, they, people will say, oh, uh, the twin, the um, person from Motorola, the guy, the climber. They'll go to the more human aspects of a person when they're talking about candidates rather than just their name. And you think, oh, that's terrible. That's inappropriate. Well, that's how we show up, though. <laughs> that is how we show up to, to people as like, oh, you know, the, the, the drummer in a jazz band, they'll say, about a candidate because that was something that you said about yourself in the interview that just stuck. It's hard. The data and, and the certification someone has versus someone else, it's hard stuff to attach to, you know? And they are picturing you like on their team. So we could say, oh my gosh, that's very unprofessional of them to refer to you as a twin because you mentioned that you're a twin. <laughs> but it is real life. And it's part of, you know, you always get to decide what to say, obviously, on an interview about your personal life. I would never tell you to disclose anything you don't feel like disclosing. And but, as they say, 
the est people from back when I was in high school, they used to say, and, but, right? And slash, but. All right, so that's how you follow up after an interview. You capture your thoughts, talk to a cynical friend, send a thank you note, and then, you know, log the interview in the place, the Excel spreadsheet, whatever you're using, Google, what is it, Sheets? And wherever it is, you grab it on your phone if you have a job search app. You know, you just notate, you just get it down there that you had this interview, you rock, you're amazing. If there's anything you would have done differently or a thorny question you want to think through for the next job interview, write it all down, get the learning, and then whoosh, right? Dance around in a circle and and let it go. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. You might hear from them, you might not. It's all good. If they deserve you, they will call. That's how it works, right? You can't. You got to put another iron in the fire. Sad to say, this process is not reliable. After an interview, you could get ghosted. And if you're going to get ghosted or basically led by the universe to a better place, sorry. Sorry if that sounds hippie-ish to you. That's my experience of how this stuff works. Hardcore. This is how it works. You accept with equanimity. The fact that you were led in a different direction, it's not hard, it's not easy in the moment to say, okay, I guess that wasn't the place, seemed like the place when I was in the room, but I guess not the place at this point in time. And you and you allow yourself to be led someplace else, that's where the possibilities are. Hey, I'm from North Jersey. It's not a touchy-feely place. It's not a la-la, woo-woo place. This is real. You read energy and you say, okay, I can't always get it spot on in the moment. While I was sitting there, it felt like, wow. This is really the right thing. But I am not going to sit here and pine and sing torch songs for the one who got away. Because that job at that moment in time was not ready for you and your energy. And that's fine. It's not fine if it's racism, sexism, ageism, ableism, all these things we know. Transphobia, right? Institutionally, governmentally, politically, we got to fix these problems. I'm not saying it's cool. I'm saying in addition to that. And of course, that's not always the reason we don't get a job that we interview for. But, you know, anytime something doesn't work out in your favor, rightly or wrongly, justly or unjustly, there's a piece about saying, I'm going to, I'm going to go on. I'm not going to, this is not going to shape me or define me or make me think less of myself. Right. But if they, if there was discrimination or just mistreatment, you, you get to say, okay, I'm learning about what I will tolerate and what I won't. I'm learning about what I need and prefer in my environment. And, and this is all really important learning for me. But let, let's not stay in the negative zone of, okay, you never hear from these guys. I am saying let it go and put another iron in the fire because that's the best thing for you and for your fuel tank, right? Of course, not sitting by the phone waiting. But... You can still maintain this list in your head and on your spreadsheet. Here's the first people I would talk to if they call back. Here's the second people. Here's the third. And, you know, you get to follow up if you want to after a week. You say, hey, you know, it was really great to talk to you guys. Curious what you think the next step is. Or somebody mentioned I'm supposed to talk to George Masters. Does that that work in his schedule? You can do that. I don't want you to grovel and turn your life over to following up on people that should have gotten back to you already. But you could certainly follow up. And that does help joggle people's brains back into focus. But I also, and more so, want you putting new irons in the fire. But now let's go to, let's say they do call you back. I know we were talking about following up after an interview, but I can't leave you on a negative note of you're going to get ghosted, right? 
But let's say they do follow up. So now you will have thought about it. You will have thought about it, you know, captured in your notes as you sort of grabbed all the information and learning you could get from that interview. But okay, if these guys call me back for a second interview, here's what I want to learn more about. I'm going to do a little more research on the company's website. In addition to what I did before the first interview, I'm going to dig a little more deeply. I'm going to look at this hiring manager's LinkedIn profile. You know I'm going to do that. Understand something about this person and their path and what they value and how they write about themselves. This is deep, good, 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 chunky, meaty stuff that you need because we're all private eyes right now. We're all sleuths. We just finished watching the, the uh, series Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. Oh, oh my gosh. It's right up there with the best things I've seen on TV, which is like The Sopranos, you know. Gamora, have you seen that? Oof. Okay. So that's the question. How do you follow up after an interview? All right. Dear Liz, my boss never trained me when I started the job, and now I'm embarrassed. I make mistakes other people with my time in do not make. What should I do? Ooh, such a good question. Because isn't it funny? This is a social question. This is a social question, as are many ostensibly workplace questions because work is a social place. So the question really is, how do I sort of belatedly let my boss know I never really got the training my boss may think I got and I'm embarrassed because I should have spoken up earlier. No, get all that out of your head. Embarrass nothing. No such thing. You're amazing. You're making do with very limited training. Don't even don't feel embarrassed or, oh, I shouldn't ask this question. Here's how you do this. This is a useful technique, you guys, for so many situations, not just at work, but at home, in your life, in other aspects of your life or other parts of your life, okay? Getting altitude. What does it mean? Get up above the facts on the ground and your feelings. I'm embarrassed. I waited too long. I should know this stuff. My boss thinks I'm dumb or I'm a slacker. I'm not paying attention. I literally don't know how all these pieces fit together. So what you do when you get altitude is you get out of that icky spot on the ground with an obstacle in front of you, potential embarrassment, potential irritation on your boss's part. No, just turn around and walk behind you to the, uh, the hill, the slope there. 15 paces away and you start climbing and you get up above the ground, above the weeds, above what look like major obstacles when you're standing on the ground looking at them, a fence, a wall, right, six feet high. And you get up and you say, oh, no, no, here's a way around that. There's a tree branch that goes over the fence, right? I see a place where the fence is broken. You're going to be able to chart your path more effectively, confidently, positively when you when you stop and look than when you deal with everything on the ground in the moment oh no i can't believe there's this obstacle this sucks so you get up take some time and say okay my boss is in a little bit of a information deprivation state right now my boss doesn't know that i don't know this stuff and you could say oh i've been party to this and I'm guilty because I should have told them every step of the way. I don't know this. I don't know that. But how would I be expected to know what I'm supposed to know unless they literally gave me a manual and said, we're going to train you in all these things. And you're, 
you're on the hook to let us know if a week goes by and you haven't learned five of these elements or whatever, which is possible, but kind of uncommon. Doesn't sound like it's your situation, okay? So instead of that, you're going to do that work and fill in what, what was never conveyed to you up front. So all you do is you do a little report or a one-page hand drawing or computer graphic, easy, that says, here's what I know, here's what I don't know. Here are the gaps. What do you suggest? I'm all about you know, filling this stuff in and getting it. In other words, you're, you're not apologizing. You're saying, hey, it looks to me, here's how I diagram my job with simple boxes and arrows, or here's how I, here's the, 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 the process flow that I feel that I'm in the middle of, you know, the two or three or whatever number. Here's what I know about it. Here's what I don't know. And you taking that step to analyze and look at either what you've been told you should be competent in, all the areas of proficiency, or what you've just gleaned and picked up on the job so far. Here are the areas where I struggle or where I'm not sure the procedure. How do you suggest I go forward? That is very adult. <laughs> that is very proactive and wonderful and not probably what your manager is used to. So it's not like you're bad because you never mentioned this stuff before. It's that now it has reached your consciousness that it's not only not good for your company and the business and your customers, whoever, for you to have these gaps, but it's irritating for you and it's not optimal for anybody. So it's just a, it's just a thing like if you noticed a leaky pipe or whatever. It's like, how do we do this? How do you recommend I go forward? And if you have ideas, I could, you know, ask these questions of, you know, my chief experienced coworker, if that's comfortable, I didn't want to do that on my own, ask them. Because this is what managers, especially good managers, really, really need and appreciate is people being proactive and saying, here's my thought, I'm not sure what you think about it. That's the ideal state. Don't be embarrassed. You, you know, the company kind of fell down, they didn't teach you all this stuff, but things were going crazy probably when you started, it's all fine. And this is a new muscle that you're growing and that we all need to grow of just getting altitude and saying, okay, what's the real problem? Not with the emotion and I don't hope you're not mad at me. None of that. Oh no. It's just how do we, you know, get this going? That's that's the whole thing. So hats off to you. Okay, so Liz, you mentioned the last bullet under each section of the career history in our resume is important. Can you say more about that? Maria. Okay, Maria, absolutely. The last bullet is important on your resume. What do I mean by the last bullet? Talking about you've got a resume. It starts with the contact information at the top, your name, city and state, email, phone, and your LinkedIn profile URL, assuming you have LinkedIn. And then it drops down and then it's a summary talks about what you do well, what you want to do and why. And that I should have said that in the reverse order. What you want to do is first and foremost. I do teach a human voice resume. I invented a human voice resume, but we don't start with I love to solve problems. I'm creative. I'm I'm resourceful. That's literally irrelevant. Not only because we don't know if we even have time to read about your fine qualities because we don't know if you solve a problem that I have, me, the recipient, the hiring manager. I just can't make space in my brain to hear about what you love to do. Do you know what I mean? I'm not trying to sound horrible. This is the reality. We're understanding somebody else's perspective. The reader of your resume, that's a recruiter, HR person, hiring manager, unless you gave it to a friend, 
right? So that's your audience. So the question is, what, who are you? What are you coming to the party as? As a, you know, as Little Red Riding Hood, which I was in second grade for Halloween. You never see that now. <laughs> so last time you saw Little Red Riding Hood at your front door. That's old school. Folk tale, fairy tale, the wolf, the whole thing. But uh, I didn't have a wolf. It was just me with the hood and the basket and so on, all in red. Uh, but we have to decide. What are you coming to the party as, right? So you have to let them know immediately, this is what I plan to do in my next job. That, that just solves so many problems in their brain right then. And then you can talk about how or why you do what you do, what got you there, you know, tell a little short story, and that's your summary. Then you go down to your career history. And this is where the last bullet thing makes sense. I'm assuming there were no bullets in your resume up until this point. Just the, just the lines centered in the middle of the page of your contact info or on the left or the right, I suppose. And then your little summary. And now it's career history, starting with your most recent or current job or, or gig. And the last, and you're going to do bullets because you're going to say, here's my accomplishments. First, you frame the role we call, frame the employer and the role, a very quick thing, right under the company name, location where you worked or worked out of or were based. And then your job title and the dates. Date you started, date you left. Now you frame the organization. Acme Explosives is a family-owned maker of stick dynamite products for the coyote market. I was brought in to launch their first inventory control and, you know, inventory management pro program. Boom. You've given us so much meaty good information right there. And now it's bullets. I blah, 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 replaced, a, you know, abacus with the, you know, better system. I did this, I did that. Last bullet is very important because it answers the burning question, why are you leaving or why did you leave? That is so important to imagine this manager looking at the stuff. You don't look horrible. You don't look scary to me. You look like you might be able to help me. What's your story now? Why are you sending me a resume? Are you leaving? Did you leave? I could say in the last bullet, I left Acme on its acquisition by Nestle right? For the, they want to make exploding chocolates or whatever. That last bullet is very, very important. Tell, if you don't have to do this with your last bullet, but I'm telling you why I think you should, because it answers the burning question, well, what, what's your deal? Just tell them. If it's personal, of course, it's up to you. I'm not trying to get you disclosed stuff to literal strangers reading your resume, but think about the path, think about how brains work. We go to fear so easily. We go to confusion, uh, distraction. I don't know about this person. They look good on paper. They were at Acme. But why, why are they leaving Acme? That, you know, nothing happened at Acme. No, I'm, I'm, I'm relocating to the East Bay for family reasons. Once again, if you don't feel comfortable talking about where you're living or why you're moving, I'm so completely supportive of that. And, but, as my SD friends would say, and, but, it's an option. You can go there now. We used to not be able to say I in a resume. How absurd. We say it now. You can use complete sentences. I hope you do in your resume. But you still use bullets. You could. All right. Any questions? Hi, Liz. Can I negotiate tuition reimbursement 
as I'm talking about an offer with a company right now. Okay, you absolutely can. Now, here's the thing about tuition reimbursement. It's gone through phases, right? It used to be policies. If you have this many years in and you're at this level and you have this kind of performance rating, real dumb, but you understand. It has to be like that, right? And that mindset um, will cover your tuition 80%, 60%. A lot of people working today have never heard about tuition reimbursement as a benefit because it did disappear uh, you know, from the landscape in a large way, like 10, 15 years ago. So it's not a common thing. Like we also pay tuition. Some companies do, and God bless, it's a beautiful thing. I'm all about lifelong learning, and I hope you are. There's no age limit. You could go to community college, four-year college, specialized program, could be a cert certification, not necessarily through a college, but through a professional association. I, I love all that stuff. And... um you can definitely negotiate that. Now, if you know, you're gonna read the energy like we were talking about, you're gonna see, is this appropriate right now? Do they need me? You know, what's the dynamic? Are they gonna laugh in my face and say, no, we're not doing that? Um, you know, what what school would you go to? What program would you follow? It's not a generic thing, tuition reimbursement. Is it related to their business? These are all the questions, but you can put a pitch together. If they say, look, we really like you, we wish you could pay, we could pay you more. We're going to pay you this. I know you wanted that. And you say, you know, it's possible that we could bridge that gap if you're game by doing a tuition reimbursement thing. In my offer letter, it says, you know, you'll pay 80% of my tuition at this college right down the road or this online program I'm doing, and I'm going to get this certification, and I'm going to stay in the company a year after I finish as part of this agreement or pay back, you know, some of the tuition, whatever. See what they have. They probably have something on the hard drive. And then it's just a question, do they feel like you're worth them making that investment? But I'll tell you some reasons why they should uh, if they want to get you on board. Number one, tuition reimbursement is like a soft benefit. They only reimburse you. It's not, um, it doesn't go into your paycheck as far as calculating into future performance reviews and pay increases, right? So that's one reason that, I would say they should really think about it. And it doesn't upset the salary schedule internally of the employees and what they all get paid. I mean, it could set a precedent and they may say that, eh, we don't do that for everybody, so it'd be weird, we can't do it. Um, and then maybe you negotiate a sign-on bonus and you pay for your own tuition. I understand. There's a lot of reticence to do stuff and step out of the lines, but you do have a lot of value. You are amazing at your job. And, um, you know, I want to see you start a negotiation when you accept a, a job offer like we said in the last episode it's it's actually affects the way that you walk into the organization if you're well informed and and mature about it i know you will be so that's not even a question Let's see if we got any more questions oh hr and conflict okay dear liz i'm in hr and unfortunately our department often finds itself in conflict with other departments this doesn't seem good for the culture what should i do oh yeah it's not. I had an aha walking out of a contentious meeting real bad. You know, the ones. Oosh. And you're leaving there. And it's funny because adrenaline flowing, coursing through my veins, racing through my veins. That's fear. And we didn't have a vocabulary back then. A lot of people don't have that vocabulary now. And we'll say there's no fear in my job. And then you're like, okay, what was that whole thing when your face was so red at that meeting at 11 o'clock? Oh, no, I was just angry. But it ties back to fear, aggression, hostility. Why? 
law of the jungle. I mean, we, we, we react. We're, we're animals, okay? So I would leave a meeting angry. This person is so bad. They're so dumb and they're so hateful. And what is going on? Well, weird thing is HR, you can't. It's not, you have to resolve it. Because if your job is about organizational health and being able to talk about stuff, you don't have to be best friends with anyone, but you can't have steaming, simmering, stewing, festering. You just, how? You couldn't, you couldn't do your job. HR has a reputation of being political. So you can't actually have, you can't have tension with other departments. You have to wait a respectful amount of time, whatever, get calm in your body and say, hey, I'm really sorry that we got to that point. Even if it means you just take, you would take responsibility for the discard, discord, and I know it's hard, um, but you have to do it because otherwise it's like, there's such a thing as being enemies with HR. Is, as a whole department is enemies with HR. What? How would that? Someone needs to talk to you. They don't. You have. You can't play politics when you're an HR person. Although the reputation is that we do, you can't. And you have to calm it down. And you have to say, look, we have way different ways of looking at this. And and I respect you and what you do. And you know, the question comes up: What if you don't respect them? And that's a hard one too. Are you going to go to bat for that they are a terrible influence on the company? Yeah, if they are, if if all of their employees are quitting and they're abusive and manager and all that, then then that's a different issue. But that obviously doesn't start with yelling at them or having discord with them. You say, I'm concerned because we have these issues. This has come up. The two of us might have to go to our boss together or whatever higher boss and talk about it because this is my job. I, I want to help you and I want to you know, have good energy all around the whole company and, and between me certainly and every other manager, but this is a real thing where employees are aggrieved and it's legit and it's our employer brand and it's just who we are and our, our culture. That's, you know, my number one job actually. So we had to talk about that, but barring that kind of thing, if it's truly just a personality clash, which is common or just, or turf battles common, or you, you resonate very differently, common, all of that stuff, so common, um, that you you say, I, I don't want to have heat with you. I don't want to have bad energy with you. I want to get, if we, if, we, if we just need to talk more, if I need to look at what I'm doing, that's hard and only way to grow. Only way that we grow is when we're forced to grow. We don't grow just naturally, just sitting there. It's when we overcome these things, that's when the muscles get stronger. So yeah, HR cannot have conflict with other departments. After the interview, we already said it. Thoughts on discussing salary with coworkers? Yeah, when you're working from home. Oh yeah, okay, I remember this. This is, we're at home now. I can talk to anybody about anything. It was so different back in the office because you'd have to sneak off to have like private conversations if you're surreptitiously job seeking or you don't like somebody or you want to talk about something because we do that, right? And 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 and. It's not even necessarily bad as long as we kind of expunge it, we vent, and then we go on. And we know we always have ups and downs, and so does everybody else. But now you're at home and talk to anybody. And so what about salary? You know, it's not legal in the United States to prevent people or try to stop people from talking about their salary. But it does still happen in soft ways. People will say, I don't think it's appropriate. It only starts tension and comparison. You know, there's an argument to be made that all of our salary ranges should just be out there published by the company. That would be so helpful for recruiting, 
for employees to feel comfortable. I know that if I have this job, I'm between this and that. Now we could still feel like we're not paid enough relative to someone else, but you could understand how that becomes extremely sensitive. And, and you know, as long every company is responsible for making sure they don't have racial, ethnic, age-related disparity, all these things, they have to do that. But inside of that, in a relatively narrow salary band, I feel like if you publish the salary band with the job title and maybe, you know, whatever other factors go into it, um, location, whatever, whatever, then that's a really good step. It's really transparent and healthy and I think just opens up conversations. But whether you do that or not, you can't tell employees they can't talk about salary. So if you're at home and your friend asks you what you're earning and you're comfortable, you can tell them what you're earning. You have to know they, they if, if they feel like they're not getting as much as they deserve relative to you and they use you as a point of comparison, like a house comparables. And when you're thinking about putting your house on the market, you know, they could go back to your manager and say, well, why is she getting paid this or he? And then your manager could come to you and say, why'd you tell them about their salary? But then you could say they asked. Social. You know how I keep saying work is a social place? It is. We have to acknowledge that because that is fundamental. A lot of the ways that we get tripped up and we get stuck at work is navigating the social versus the business, the commerce thing. So it's a diabolical invention, really, our way of working, which is so very deeply social, but also there's this like underlying business relationship, which frankly is very skewed in favor of the employer. And that's not good either. That's not good for our society. That's not good for us as people or the planet. But that's why we have this conversation, human workplace. Okay, so anyway, a couple things, news items for you guys. We have a lot of downloads, free downloads on our site, humanworkplace.com. Click on the boxes, I want to be a consultant or I want to be a job, change jobs or I want to become a thought leader, whatever, be a stronger HR person. And there's a free download there. That's what those are, little like treasure boxes to click on with free downloads behind them. And uh, we're doing an HR boot camp later this summer. Woo, been wanting to, HR boot camp. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun if you're an HR person wants to know more about how to recruit, um, you know, powerfully, effectively, standoutedly, ethically, nimbly. It's, you know, very different way to recruit and how to build a fantastic culture, communication, especially now that folks are at home how to have more power in yourself and sell your ideas more more effectively. Um, just a lot of really good new millennium stuff for HR folks. So we'll be talking about that a lot. Um, yeah, if you have a question, send it please to support at humanworkplace.com. Be well, take care of yourself and everybody else.